What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of the Sheehan Show here on Shardog.com. My name is Sean Sheehan. I'm absolutely delighted to be joined today by Ian O'Neill from Severe MMA for a chat about the UFC lightweight division. And we obviously have the, the big fight coming up this week between Benil Dariush and Ar- uh, Armin Saryukin. And uh, I got Eno on because I know Armin Saryukin is, is one of his favorite fighters in the soft spot. But we're not going to concentrate totally on that, although we will touch on it a bit in a minute. But what I want to talk about today with Ian is that division overall. And, and, and we'll talk about the top 10 fighters in that division. So we're going to talk about Makashev, the top eight in the rankings, and the only person who's currently matched against one of them who isn't in the top eight, and that's Conor McGregor, who's uh, due to fight Michael Chandler. But Ian, we were just discussing discussing it quickly beforehand, but I think people might be shocked to realise that this matchup this weekend between Armin Saryukin and Benil Dariush is the only matchup currently matched between any of those people in the the top nine, we'll say, with Makachev, plus Tronin McGregor, obviously, is the one. When you heard that, were you shocked? Or were you unsurprised, I suppose, the way the lightweight division has been over the last while? I'm a little bit surprised, but not too surprised, because it's exactly what you said. the lightweight division is a little bit of a mess right now, if we're being honest. You know, what we have been dealing with over the last couple of years is guys like Armin Saryuk and guys like Benoit St. Denis, Jalen Turner, who've been knocking on the door of the top five, but have not just got the results to let them inside the top five to actually get this division going. So we've, we, for, for lack of a better term, we've got gatekeepers like Dustin Poirier and Justin Gaethje, who, you know, obviously fought one another not so long ago with, with Gaethje getting the win. But they're taking on guys like Gaethje against Fazeev, you know, very close fight, but Fazeev fell short. So we're, we seem to be going back to the drawing board at the top of the lightweight division in the UFC with just the regular names. Like you look at the top five, we have Michael Chandler, Darius, Poria, Gaethje and Oliveira you know they, if you look back a year ago it's probably not going to be much different than that either maybe you can change a couple of those names around in terms of what order they're ranked in but for me we're just waiting I, for me I won't say what we are doing what I'm doing is kind of just waiting for this transition of the old school lightweight fighters to either you know fight these new talents coming in uh, take fights in different divisions or simply hang it up and I think over the next two years, that's what we're going to see. But we're at this loggerhead right now where, you know, the up and coming talent are knocking on the door. There's not that many fights being matched. Um, everyone is kind of f- not wanting to kind of let the the upcoming talent talent come in to the top five or they're not willing to kind of fight down per se. And fair play, Justin Gaethje did it and, and he did it against a really good fighter. But, you know, I'd like to see a little bit more. What we're hearing from Dustin Poirier is that he wants to fight that excites him. Is an Armin Saryukin going to excite him? Is, is anybody outside the top 10 going to excite him right now? Probably not. So, I mean, we've got to come to some form of conclusion to get this division up and going. A hundred percent. And look, we we look at them one by one here over the next 20 minutes or so, but I, I agree with your overall assessment of the division, even though like, to be fair, you mentioned Gaethje and Fiziev, and that was, I, I think, a bit of a transformational fight for the division because we needed one of those guys, you know, the, the Chandler, Poria, Gaethje, and obviously Chandler's off to him when he's doing, we'll speak about that in a second. But we needed one of those guys to fight one of the other guys, so the Fiziev, Gamrat, Saryukin type. He did it. 
And then he also beat Poirier, so he took away one of his own guys, one of the younger guys, younger guys, let's say it that way, and he obviously put himself in a very, very good position here. So I actually think we're in a better position now than we were before that Fazia fight, which it's funny, it only happened in March of this year. It feels like it's a lot longer, so Keiichi has fought twice this year. A lot longer. <laughs> yeah, it does feel a lot longer. But everyone... Another shocking stat I would tell you as well is apart from obviously McGregor and Chandler, everyone has fought in 2023. So it's it's been, I think, a good year for the lightweight division in that way. Now, the problem with that is as well, the last two fights for the champion were against the guy outside of the division. You know, the obviously the, uh, the, the, the featherweight champion in Volkanovski, which is an issue as well, because if, you know, let's say Chandler had had his shot, uh, sorry, if uh, Gaethje had had his shot, or um, uh, Charles Oliveira had his shot, and we know the, there was an injury and all there, so that's not anyone's fault. But the division maybe move, would have moved on even more. So I think there was a little... It was a little bit unfortunate this year that there could have been even a better year, but I do think it is a slight improvement, I think, on last year. But at the same time, we're kind of now in a waiting period again because, look, um, Ramadan's coming up, so Makashev probably won't be fighting for a good, what, what would it be, six months maybe or so. It looks like it's going to be Charles Oliveira, who's a former champion, and that there's always a drawback in that as well when it's a former champion. Now, look, has he earned his way and all? We can debate that. He, you know, he, There's definitely an argument there. Um, but even, let's say it was Gage, he's a guy who's already had a couple of chances as well, and there's the problems with that so it's not the new young blood coming up look if the new young blood like Fiziev doesn't get the win over someone like Gechi they don't deserve to be there so that's another argument around as well but at the same time before we get into maybe one by one Ian here's one thing I want to talk about <laughs> we can complain maybe about and not even complain but just assess the division maybe not moving or the, the division somewhat being like uh, repetitive in terms of like you know as I mentioned two lads who held different versions of the title or fought for the title are the, the next contenders there I suppose to fight for it again but that is because of the quality. You look at those names, all the names the two of us have mentioned here today, and those are all high-level, top-quality fighters. Like, that doesn't really happen in, in most divisions. Now, if you look at maybe welterweight or 145, yes, but you know, you said it likes a middleweight, light heavyweight, heavyweight. It's just, it's not the same in them. And the fact that lightweight is so good, it makes it really tough for someone to go on a win streak, to become the clear person, and especially a newer fighter. Because I was, look, I was looking at, so Wikipedia have like the list of like the, the, um, the records of all the fighters. And you, the only one you have to kind of scroll down to who hasn't loads of fights is Fiziev. So all the guys ranked, the 10 guys we spoke about there, they're all ranked in probably the top, what, 15 maybe, of the amount of fights. And that's, that's a crazy thing to have. Just on that, Ian, the quality in that division, how hard it actually is to break into the very top. Well, I think it kind of feeds into what I was saying at the start in, in that, you know, maybe some of these fighters aren't quite there yet in the terms of quality to win fights in the top five. We speak time and time again about the difficulties getting into the top 15 of the division inside the UFC. Staying in there is another problem. And then there's another problem about the top 10. You know, how hard it is to stay in the top 10. And then you almost work up another level to the top five and almost another level again into the top three, into the elite status of the division. And you need a lot of luck and you need a lot of things to go your way. And and, and we have that, like we're kind of a, a victim of circumstances really when it comes to the level of talent that's yet to progress. But also we have a problem that 
not only exists inside the UFC lightweight division, it exists in a lot of other divisions as well, is that nobody really wants to work their way back to the title the way they used to. Now, the recent example that I would use is Max Holloway. You know, and obviously, he has to do it because he's fought Falkonofsky so many times. But we're having Justin Gaethje coming off the back of one win and demanding a title shot. We have Dustin Poirier out here talking, saying that he wants one fight that's going to put him right back into a title shot again. And I mean, we didn't used to always have that. You know, we the, the standard way that combat sports used to work was that, yeah, you get your title shot, then you've got to fight down for a couple of fights to earn that title shot again and we just haven't been having that in the lightweight division nor in any other division really quite a few divisions we could name in the UFC that's having a similar enough problem too now that's also down to the UFC allowing that to happen so the matriarchy of the divisions has kind of hit a bit of a stall uh, in recent times uh, where we're really not concentrating on rankings and more so concentrating on big fights no matter where a person is ranked or no matter like you know the, the status of going on a run to earn a title shot doesn't really exist anymore correct and that often leads to rematches because when we want to see one big fight and it's like oh that fight did well do you know what let's do it again that that is uh, you know, that's not good for what we're talking about. No, maybe is it good for them? Is it good for the money? Is it good for, you know, in certain divisions, maybe it is the best thing for the division. But in terms of getting the division moving, in terms of not being stale is the wrong word because, look, we're, we're, have, we have real first world problems here. Let's be honest. These fights are all going to be good because all the fighters are so yeah. good. We're kind of, we're, it's not necessarily complaining, but it's, it's just, I suppose, assessing the, shit, uh, assessing the situation as we spoke about earlier. But as you're saying, like, okay, like you mentioned Gaethje, he's won a couple of fights. So at least he has kind of worked his way back a little bit. Um, Charles Oliveira, one, like one fight against Benil Dariush. Okay, like, I, I I remember arguing with someone before about uh, about I think it was maybe even this specific one and I I I like Charles an awful lot and you know look the fight against McHatchev was very uncompetitive the first time do people think it'll be really competitive the second time I'm not sure but even even that aside you know I kind I I would mind watch, watching him doing what Gaethje's done one two win two fights win three fights and get the way back and I remember someone said it to me before having a bit of a discussion about it and you go oh what do you want to put these guys to the back of the line. And I'm like, how about put him to fourth in line? <laughs> you know, how about put him to third in line? And like, give the guy who's one and two the shot and then he can come back up there. You know, I, I don't think that's a big thing to ask. In a sport like MMA and in an organization like the UFC, where if you're the lightweight, uh, if you're a lightweight, you've one belt. You've one belt to look for, right? And I... Uh, that's brilliant. We want that. We don't want extra belts. I'm not advocating for what we have in uh, uh, in boxing at all. But if you're in the UFC or if you're in, in Bellator and PFL, well, maybe Bellator and PFL is a little bit different now, but if you're in the UFC, there's one thing to strive for. And for that kind of to be held up for long periods is, is you know, is not great. I think we need to keep it moving. We need to, we need to... Um, almost forced that for the help uh, the health of the division that's why I've never been too mad about interim titles or anything like that because at least it's moving on the division and then we can get one champion again we're not holding on forever like say in the heavyweight division now we have an interim champion I'd have no problem with that interim champion Aspinall fighting someone like Cyril Gagne whoever Curtis Blades or whoever it might be and in the fight the John Jones when, when it 
happens you know the problem with that one is the sleep thing and all that but that's I suppose another discussion for another day but I think we're we have a division that has an unbelievable amount of talent here in the lightweights but it feels like it's it's a really good athlete that doesn't train almost that that's not helped like the matchmaking around it the care around it is just to me not good enough and to, to get into maybe all those fighters we, we, we spoke about and we, maybe we, we, we'll end it uh, with uh, the, the Darius Saryukin discussion because that's what's happening this weekend but to start at the very very top it does look Ian like Makashev and uh, Charles Oliveira are going to fight next is, is that what you're feeling too and do you think that's the right way to do it or do you, would you be the Gaethje advocate because I know some people do want to see Gaethje versus Makashev next obviously you know, Benil, uh, uh, when Benil was beaten by Charles, Charles was the guy, but then the injury happened and all that. First of all, where do you stand with that? And what would you like to happen? Maybe they're, they're the same thing, but what, what would your answer to those two questions be? I think we're dealing with a predicament with Islam Mahachev that he's just so damn good. Yes. Uh, it's very hard to kind of make a lot of these fights intriguing, you know. Um, with Charles, we've seen what happened the last time. Now, there is a, a slight more intrigue for me to see Islam versus Charles too, rather than me see Justin versus Islam for the title. Now, Justin versus Islam is a, a fresh matchup. So I, I do like it in that terms, but are we going to see anything different in comparison to what we've seen uh, with Justin Gaethje on the big stage in the past where, you know, there seems to be this big gaping hole in the grappling department for Justin Gaethje. Now he's come on leaps and bounds. He's, you know, a phenomenal striker and, and, and has the ability to keep the fight on the feet with the majority of the division, but we're not talking about the majority of the division here. We're talking about Islam Mahachev. And I feel that the result of what's going to happen in a fight between Justin Gaethje is kind of easier for me to come to a conclusion, more so than the second Charles fight. So I think you do Islam versus Charles too. You know, I think Charles and everything that he's done in the lightweight division, you know, does deserve that crack back. Said he wasn't himself the last time, this and that and the other day. I think for Islam and for Charles, we get to get the final piece of the puzzle there, which is likely going to be another Islam win. And then I think we can put that one to bed. And what I'd like to see overall for Islam is to just, you know, even though he is head and shoulders above the division, well, we dealt with that with Alex Volkanovsky at Featherweight too. And you know what Alex did? He cleared out the division. And I think that's what we need to see with Islam as well. But I'm not quite sure if we are going to see that. You know, I think he doesn't enjoy the wake up. I think he will be interested in moving up to 170 eventually. And maybe that is the key to kind of open up this 155 pound division is maybe moving Islam up and maybe vacating the title or letting everybody else fight now for that title. But uh, maybe, but at the same time, like, Islam came to the top without fighting that many of the top contenders. So you mentioned the word phrase fresh matchups. There are loads of fresh matchups from Akachev. Like he fought, he's fought a featherweight in his last two fights. He fought, okay, Oliveira before that. But before that, it was, you know, Bobby Green, Dan Hooker. He fought Drew Dober and Saryukin, who are all in the top 15. But most of them not even in our discussion today because, you know, they're, they're ranked from, from 9 to, to, to 15. So. Like he could still fight. Oh, I'm looking at the. He could still fight Gaethje. He could still fight Paria. Uh, he could still fight. He hasn't fought Darius yet, has he? He could still fight Chandler. He could still fight McGregor. He could still fight Fiziev. So there's so many fresh matchups that he has never had before that. 
as you said, like if he was to clean out division, there's a lot of cleaning to be doing there. <laughs> I'll tell you what, there, there definitely a, is a lot. But but like I think what he's the trend that I'm kind of seeing, and we're seeing it with a lot of champions now, is that they're going to want to kind of achieve that double champ status. And if he's going to do that and and hold on to the lightweight title, I, I feel that you know that's going to hold up the division either more even more. So I would be hoping maybe he would vacate. But I don't think it's going to happen. I think Islam is going to be the lightweight champion for as long as he wants to be in my opinion at the very least it feels like he wants to kind of take that Habib trajectory to me you know I mean maybe I'm mistaken maybe he does want to move up like there was never almost a suggestion of Habib moving up he always kind of dismissed it out of hand and I know Usman was was the champion I suppose at the time and you know the same management and everything like that but um, I feel the, the, the big problem as well with that was with Habib and with Islam they they only really want to fight twice a year at most, and they're they're smart. They're actually really smart to do that. But it does get a little bit frustrating, like especially as I say, when those two fights are against someone from outside the division. As amazing as the first fight is, it sounds like I'm complaining about the the two Volkanovski fights. I'm absolutely not, and we know the second one. It but, sounds like we're, we're both kind of sounding complaining, but I'm actually <laughs> but, just acknowledging what we're seeing. Yeah, you know, yeah. it's a, like it's a good problem in in some ways to have. <laughs> yeah, hundred percent, without a shadow of a doubt. I suppose to look at Charles Oliveira then. Like he that win over Benil Darius was so good, and Benil was the guy. Like you almost, you almost don't want that fight to happen when it did happen back at UFC two eighty nine because Benil Darius should have been the guy, right? He's on that win streak. Okay, maybe he hasn't loads of strong names, but he has some very good names in there. Like you look, you look at somebody beat Gamrat, beat Tony Ferguson, beat Fahey, and you know Drew Dober and a few more as well before that. Um, and when you match him up with, with Charles Oliver, you know what's going to happen. He'll either win and it'll be great, but you already have that great contender, but then he loses and it's, again, a fresh matchup is gone and you're, you're, you're not replacing that fresh, match, fresh matchup with another fresh matchup. You're replacing that with a matchup we just saw uh, in Charles Oliver. And as good as that fight could be again, I don't, I don't think it would necessarily be amazing. Um... There, there are issues there. So I suppose like we've kind of discussed that between Charles Oliveira and Justin Gaethje and who will be, I suppose, the next one there. Looks like it's going to be Charles, but Justin, I think, probably um, probably moving into the next spot. If you're Justin Gaethje, Ian, what do you do? Do you take a fight? Because like we, we've already said, it's probably going to be, what, four to six months at least, I'd say, before that fight even happens. You, it might, and we just said as well. Uh, if if you agree with me, we'll, we'll go that way. That Makashi have only fights twice a year. It could be this time next year before you get that shot. If you're Justin Gaethje, you know, let me just check his age. It's, he's well into his thirties at this stage. It's uh, thirty five years of age. Uh, just gone this last week. Do you wait for the year? Do you look for a fight? Do you take on maybe the winner of what the fight that's happening this week? Do you look for maybe a Chandler if the McGregor fight isn't happening? Maybe you look for the winner of the Chandler-McGregor fight if you're going to have to be sitting out for a year. What, what do you think the, the thinking will be for, for Justin Gaethje over the next while? Or is it a case of sitting out and waiting? I don't think it's a case. I don't think it should be, at least for Justin Gaethje. I think he needs to get in there and he needs to fight. Now, 
we also have the predicament of the the BMF title, which he currently holds as well, which is kind of, you know, can be used as a promotional tool. And the idea has been floated around that he does defend that title against Max Holloway. You know, Max Holloway has been looking for that. And I think that's a fantastic fight. It's a very good stylistic matchup for Justin Gaethje. You put the BMF title, whatever you want to think about, they'll dress it up and they'll color it up whatever way they want. I just, I'm not interested in the BMF title. I'm interested in the actually fight. And I think if two of those guys fight, you have an entertaining fight. You can make it make it to the casuals that it is for something by putting the BMF title up there. It maintains your relevance in the division. You're going against a, a loved and adored Max Holloway who's going to come, he's going to bring the heat and is going to produce a fantastic fight. And I think when all of that is out there in front of you, you've got to take it. Um, this thing about sitting on the sidelines and waiting for your opportunity, that opportunity may not come. You know, you can't rest on your laurels in mixed martial arts because anything can happen. You know, God knows, Charles Oliveira could go out there and, and stun Islam Mahachev. We've seen crazy things in 2023 and we're going to see more crazy things in 2024. And I think what Justin Gaethje needs to do is keep himself relevant at the top of the division and he can do that by defending the BMF title, whether it's Max Holloway or anybody. I don't mind. You just get in there, you fight and look, at you're going to be in an exciting fight if your name is called Justin Gaethje. 100%. And I suppose... To ask the same question about Fiziev, who's the only guy in this, you know, this 10 that we're talking about today, apart from maybe McGregor, but obviously that's a different case. That is at a kind of, a, I suppose, a low ebb. You know, he's coming off of two losses, um, having kind of never reached that that spot before. Obviously, a close, uh, the, the knee injury against Scarman, the close fight against, um, uh, against Justin Gaethje as well. So, look, for him, I think we, we probably both agree. Just get someone. Whether it's maybe the, the loser of the fight this weekend, which we'll talk about in a second, maybe someone making their way up from the top 15. Like, not many of them are matched there either. Just looking at the top 15, Bobby Green, just before we recorded, he's matched with Jalen Turner now after Dan Hooker got injured on Submission Radio there the other day. <laughs> uh, and he's the only one man. Match, obviously, Benoit Saint-Denis just fought. But Mikano Dober, you know... I don't think any of those guys are going to be breaking and they're looking amazing to Saryukun, but he's going to have to probably fight one or two of them, or sorry, two, uh, sorry to Fiziev, but he's probably going to have to fight one or two of them over the next while. So maybe we can leave that there and we'll talk about the last two matches here. Um, the one this weekend, but also the big massive one between Conor McGregor and uh, and Michael Chandler. And, and let's uh, let's talk about that first, uh, Ian, because... Look, there's been a lot of talk about that over the last while, but it feels like it's becoming more of a reality now. You know, it's, it's it feels like the talk is, is it going to be UFC 300 or is it going to be two months later? Maybe, you know, there's obviously talk of Saudi Arabia, International Fight Week and all of that. It's It's been very hard, especially us, you know, being, being Irish guys covering the sport over the last while to even discuss it because, like, you don't want to talk about it too much. You don't want to overblow it. You don't want to, like sell wolf tickets to people but there seems to be a feeling it's going to happen now and it, look if it does what you're going to have from it is either Michael Chandler who's ranked at number 5 being the biggest star in the history of the sport which is obviously going to elevate him or else you have the biggest star in the history of the sport beating a guy who's ranked number 5 which is obviously going to put him right back in the title picture because you just know it will we all know it will right so that that is that in itself just is the ingredient 
ingredients even for a massive fight and for such a meaningful fight even if people don't like it even if that's not the way we do it and we just discussed that's probably not the way how how we do it over the last while but first of all ian how big is it do you think sorry that second of all first of all is it going to happen? Do you, what's the what's the, uh, the 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 waters telling you? Is it is it going to happen here early next year or middle of next year? I think so. I think so. I mean, uh, this whole thing with Conor McGregor is just crazy, and the way the situation is being handled. Because I I think it's actually a, a little bit disgraceful the way the UFC is handling him and has handled him over the last number of years. Obviously, he had um, wanted to fight during the pandemic and they basically refused to match him up. And it seems that that's what they're doing right now. Now, obviously, you had the USAD excuse, but that USAD excuse is gone on January 1st. You know, you can match up Conor McGregor if you want on January 2nd in the UFC. And, you know, no one would say boo to a mouse about it. And look, at a lot of people, and I remember uh, the big go and with my grandparents and parents back in the day was the TV show and, and who shot JR everyone was waiting to see and that's what we were like with Conor McGregor here now we're like when is Conor McGregor going to be fighting it was supposed to be this summer then it was supposed to be September then it was supposed to be December now we're talking about April and then most recent word that we're getting from John Kavanagh is next summer and all of this drama and all of this wonder, time is slowly taken away and time is not Conor McGregor's friend right now at this stage. You're coming back from one of the most serious injuries that anyone could ever come back from. Uh, you're, you're you're going into your uh, mid-30s right now and, you know, uh, he doesn't really have the time to be wasting here and the UFC really need to make a decision. I think it's going to happen. Um, I I would have said 90% at UFC 300, but maybe they're going to hold off on him now until you, uh, International Fight Week later on in the summer in July, perhaps. But I feel that Conor McGregor should be as matched as soon as possible. And I hope that UFC match him as soon as possible because, you know, he wants it, Chandler wants it, the fans want it. The only people that don't want it right now, which is absolutely baffling to me, is the UFC. And I think that needs to change very soon. It feels like we've, we, uh, uh, I suppose, a uh, collective, we in the MMA media have had this chat so many times about McGregor. And like, there's plenty to criticize Conor McGregor for, but like, not fighting is almost entirely the UFC's fault, it feels like. Like, as you mentioned during the pandemic, but like, I interviewed Conor in February of last year. So that's, what, 21 months almost. And he was saying to me there, look, I have a couple of months back. Maybe I'll fight in the summer, May, you know, maybe towards the end of the year. And the general feeling around there was, yeah, he, that's probably going to happen. And I don't think there's been any, like, massive setback or anything like that. You know, he did the ultimate fighter. Okay, I'm going to get back now. Like, John Kavanaugh was, was talking the other day, and he was like, there's nothing wrong with the injury. The injury is healed perfectly. It's just waiting for a date kind of thing. It's it's just mad. And obviously, as you mentioned, the USADA thing. But, like, if they'd given a Connor date in December, it feels like he would have been in the USADA thing in May or whenever it was. And obviously, you know, you said they're, they're, he could fight in the 1st of January. Technically, he could, but they're not going to do it because they, they, they don't want to, you know, they're going to give him the six months. They're going to make him do it because they, they don't want to have that hanging over their head. And I'd say Connor probably doesn't want it either. So that's just, it's just another thing and just another, I suppose, drawback to it. But look, it's it's such an interesting fight. It's, it's one we have to break down a lot. How, how's he going to look? How's, how's the whole thing going to go like? Go on. One last question before how, how he looks. How big do you think his current contract situation 
is in this whole kind of landscape because he only has two fights left on his UFC contract. Are they holding him back for that reason, would you think? Do you think it has to be somewhat of a factor? I, I think it is for the UFC, but I don't necessarily think it is for Connor. Like, uh, he has enough money now. Like, like he gets. We we saw the we saw the pays that were released uh, recently, and like he's not getting a whole pile of money off of him. Like, could he could he fight out his last two fights and go and fight in Saudi or somewhere and get a whole load of money? Yes, but like he earns so much money through the whiskey that like he he thought that's not really a problem for him anymore. It's, it feels just like he wants to have a few fights now, and maybe down and the line, maybe also, two fights. He's also may always maintained his loyalty towards the UFC and that's where he wants yes. to be and that's the platform he wants to be on as well so I don't know it's just something that I've been thinking about like you know I'm just trying to make sense of this situation because you know you'd think the UFC would want to be compete or going getting in and getting Conor McGregor going as one of their biggest earners and, and, and you're right though it's from the UFC's point of view right okay what's the biggest challenge going to be in MMA over the next couple of years let's say a challenge to the UFC but also a challenge to the sport itself it's, I, I think it's going to be Saudi Arabia coming into the sport whether it is you know with the PFL slash Bellator organization now or whether it is with the UFC because we, we know the UFC are, are have announced a, a deal with Saudi that's what I was kind of thinking like okay what, what are they going to do they're going to put Connor on the Saudi card of course so it's the biggest card they could possibly give him and have the Saudis kind of go sure why would we invest in the PFL when we can have Conor McGregor John Jones and all the biggest in the world with him like like the WWE have done and now look we know WWE and the UFC are one and the same they're the same company now like what did Saudi do they got the WWE and had you know the Undertaker and John Cena and Roman they had all the biggest stars there and rather than having to actually accumulate all the stars like they have with Cristiano Ronaldo and Neymar and they tried to sign Killian Mbappe and all of that with uh, association football the UFC will happily hand it to them if they're paid the money for it so who is the biggest star it's Conor McGregor now that's another bigger discussion I suppose for, for another day but that's all ahead of us and how he looks how the fight's gonna go and all of that and we will talk more about that but for today let's close it out Ian with a quick chat about Benil Dariush versus Armin Saryukin because this is a very important fight, I think. Because we mentioned Oliver and Gaethje, right? They're the two guys in line. Poirier is the guy who I suppose maybe would be next in line, but he is coming off of that loss to Justin Gaethje. He lost to Charles Oliveira a couple of fights before that, and it was a Michael Chandler win in the middle. So, as you said, he's looking for maybe an ATS fight. Maybe he's looking for a Connor fight. Maybe he's maybe you know even a Max Holloway sort of fight too. So I think he's. It's not that he's out of the picture, but I think for the time being. So like, you know, there is a spot there for one of those guys to take. Benil Larouche currently ranked number four. Armin Saryukin currently ranked number eight in the official UFC rankings. So that spot at number four is going to be held by one of these guys after that, and maybe even three, depending on it. This is a big, big fight for the division, Ian, and especially when it's the only fight kind of happening in the division at the moment at that level. I know the, the Bobby Green, Jalen Turner fight is a, is a big, important fight uh, as well that's going to be happening. I know a lot of fights have happened recently, but... Give us a quick breakdown of that fight. I know you've... I, I've been a big fan of actually Darius for a long time. You've been a big fan of Saryukin for a long time. So maybe, maybe it's a meeting of the minds here. But it's, it's a fascinating fight. A big fight. 
I suppose for Dariush Ian to bounce back on a big fight for Saryukin kind of considering he lost to Garmer he lost to Mikashev in those two big matchups and he's destroyed everyone else basically for him I suppose to get over the line against a top 5 ranked fighter it would be massive for him it's just a really important fight between two top top guys isn't it yeah, it's just a perfect matchup at the perfect time where both of these guys are at uh, in their careers. With, with Saryuk, and obviously, you know, when he made his debut and fought Mahachev, gave, gave Islam his toughest test in recent years, really, to be honest. Um, and I was blown away by him at that stage. So I was like, I'm going to keep an eye on this guy. And he's worked his way up through difficult opposition. Uh, uh, um, Olivier Orban Mercier, obviously, is, is doing some great things with the PFL. Got a good win over him. Uh, Davi Ramos as well. Matt Favola is ranked right now as well. Uh, Christian Giagos. You know, a couple of decent wins throughout the way, but we stop um, at Gamera. And, you know, he lost the unanimous decision in that fight, and that will be disappointing. That was his second crack at, shall we say, top five opposition, having already fought Islam. So now what we have is him coming off the back of two good wins as well against, you know, lower-ranked opponents. And this is a big step up in class in comparison to his last two fights against Silva and Ismagulov. So the big question I have about Armin Saryukin is, is he ready right now for this challenge? And I'm not sure if he is, uh, because stylistically against Benil Dariush, he's facing a very difficult guy in terms of Saryukin likes to pressure wrestle and likes to set a pace. Dariush is going to eat all of that up all day long, and he's going to look to counter wrestle. And I feel Dariush will have the big advantage here on the feet, and he's going to be trying to work uh work it so that he can keep this fight on the feet for as long as possible. He's also got a power advantage in the exchanges on the feet. And if there was one big gaping hole that I'm looking for, sir, you can to try and, and seal up at this stage before he goes and takes on elite level competition. That is in the striking realm. It's mixing in that wrestling with his striking and, I don't know whether he has, has done it yet because he hasn't been given the test to show if he has. And I think this is the perfect test for him. Um, and I'm really on the fence about this as well. Like I get real guilty of choosing with my heart as opposed to my head. And as, as I get closer, I don't want to choose with my heart. Obviously a big fan of Saryuk and I, I, I would like to see him um, succeed and, and, and win. But I think stylistically, this is a very difficult matchup. And and if he does get over Benil Dariush, I, I hope that the overall opinion isn't that, you know, Benil Dariush is, is past it and his second off, because Dariush is still a very difficult uh, kind of opponent to face at this stage of his career even. Look at, I was live at UFC 189 in Vancouver and I got a first-hand look at Benil Dariush all week. Um, and in comparison to Charles Oliveira, it was chalk and cheese. Charles looked like he was ready for World War Three going into last week. Benil Dariush was there with his wife and with his kids and was relaxing and, and, and having a good time. And he deserves to do that. But I saw two different mentalities there. And I think that those two mentalities shun through in the actual fight itself. So that beggars the question to me is where's Benil Dariush at with his mentality? You know, uh, having won eight, seven, eight fights in a row and not getting a title shot, your reward for that is going in against another horrible matchup for Benil Dariush, let's be real, against Charles Oliveira. You know, does that affect you mentally? Um, 
can he keep up that mental fortitude to come against these young hungry killers because Saryukin wants what, what he has he wants that high ranking he's hungry to get the title and he's hungry for another crack at Islam Mahachev who he gave a very good challenge to back in the day as well all of those components make for a really fascinating fight and I mean right now you know, we're a little bit out from the fight. I'm kind of giving away when we're recording here, but, you know, closer to the fight, when I look at a little bit more tape, I'll probably make my assessment. But this is a really kind of a, a tossum. Anything could kind of happen in this fight. But I'm actually leaning a little bit towards Benil Darouche at this stage. Uh, do you know what? I think that's a very good break. And the only thing I'd add to it is the both the positives and negatives in terms of Dariush's game, so the so the the positives for an opponent of him would be he doesn't have the best chin in the world. Let's let's be honest, you, you hit him really hard, you can knock him out. The negatives in the game are, as you mentioned, very, very good striking, really, really, really good uh jujitsu and of just a very good all round game. And those things almost are not applicable to Saryukin. As you said, like he can hit hard, but he's not exactly the best striker in the world. He's not exactly a knockout artist. So like is he going to make use of someone's maybe frailty with the the the, the chin their durability? Uh, maybe, right? Maybe I, I would say probably not or may, maybe not. There's definitely a question over that. Whereas like I picked Charles Oliveira to beat Darius first round knockout because I knew that's exactly what would happen, right? He would prey on that frailty. I'm not sure Saryukin can. Now, with the other side of that, if he does, then Saryukin shows he's at a next level. He shows technically, tactically, but also like physically, he's at another level. And I think the physicality game is another big advantage for Saryukin. I think he's a physically, you know, a better athlete than Benil Larius, but Benil Larius is an odd kind of languid type of athlete and he uses it well for himself. But if if you're to win a wrestling matchup, or a grappling matchup against a jiu-jitsu guy like Darius is, and like just to call him a jiu-jitsu guy is unfair, but go with me here for a second. If you're to win that fight, I think you have to win it by being the better athlete, by being the stronger guy, the guy who can, uh, I suppose, uh, dominate a position which not just your technique, but the strength to hold up that technique in the position against a guy who also has really, really good technique. Uh, my good friend Patrick Wyman told me before the uh, the McGregor-Diaz 2 fight, he goes, if McGregor wins this fight, it'll be one of the best wins we've ever seen in UFC history because there are so many little intricacies that are just against him and they do not favour him. And I think this is a similar thing. Now, maybe UFC history and all that, but there are so many little intricacies that actually don't favour Saryukin that if he does it, I think he is what you think of him. You know, that he is a top, top, top level fighter. And not just that, right? Because we can all have favourites and think they're good fighters. But their own a prospect or a fighter is only as good as the improvements they make. And if he has made those improvements and he can take this, uh, this matchup and he can go to the next level, well... I'm telling you watch out for that UFC lightweight division because that's a a massive fight this weekend and a a very enjoyable one as well but look Ian the lightweight division we could come back on here in six months and it mightn't have moved our mountains (laughs) might have moved so we'll uh, I suppose we'll uh, we'll see on that 
Um, right, we will leave it there. If you haven't followed Ian yet, please do add I O'Neill MMA. Check out the Old Triangle Irish MMA podcast, which comes out uh, every second Wednesday. And there's a big, obviously, uh, PFL Europe card coming up with a lot of Irish people on that. So no better place to go and check it out and check out all of his other work as well over on Severe MMA and Twitter and all of those good places. Ian, thank you very much for joining me. Thank you to everybody for tuching in. My name is Sean Sheehan for Sherdog.com, and I'll see you all next time.